0: you're always one of the favorite people to talk to. I always enjoy the conversation because you see so much throughout the industry. Um, tell us a little bit, just for the audience's benefit, Metaphora, you, you are involved in helping companies figure out digital transformation, but also how to optimize their business.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely it. So we do consulting, custom software development exclusively for logistics, uh, transportation, and supply chain.
0: So you sh- you're seeing a lot of companies, the inside sort of bones of these businesses.
1: Exactly. And you might get a couple, it depends, consultant responses from me because there's, <laughs> you know, there are confidentiality agreements that I can't violate, but absolutely.
0: So I'm not going to pin you on too much stuff that would violate those. But let's do talk about sort of general sort of sense. Uh, you know, a lot of companies during COVID bought a lot of technology. We saw this sort of bull run in supply chain technology. You know, two years ago, it was one of the hottest venture uh uh, markets in terms of venture capital—that's uh, changed. I think AI is now the new hot one. Yeah. What's happening? What are you? What are you hearing on the ground that companies that went out and bought technology are dealing with? What What are you hearing on the ground from the freight tech companies that are in the space? Yeah, it's
1: it's it's an interesting challenge. I mean, um, we've th- there was so much market hype around, hey, there's digital transformation. We need to spend money on technology, and we saw. A lot of companies that ultimately bought tech without really fully understanding how they were going to use it or really adopting the technology in terms of 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 changing their operations to take advantage of the technology and so you know now we're sitting we're we're in a a really tough freight market and companies are looking at at cutting expense and they're they're looking at technology that they're maybe
0: not using to its full extent um they've gone out and spent the money yeah add the capex on their in their budgets they They made these investments. Is your advice to scuttle it and move on?
1: Absolutely not. No. And and what we're finding is, I mean, this has been a theme. I've been talking about this for seven or eight years. Like, if you're going to spend money on technology, you only you should really only do it if you're committed to implementing it properly, training your people on how to use it, and a lot of the work that we've been doing in the last six months has been work partnering with. Companies that spent money on technology and ultimately helping them evaluate how could they be using it better, and 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 sometimes actually completely re-implementing the system, re-implementing the TMS, re-implementing the visibility provider um, to make sure that they're getting the most that they can uh, out of the technology
0: spends. So, Pete, um, of the categories, we'll sort of break this down because um, there's a couple of categories in freight tech specifically that had been hyped. Yeah, uh, some had, some of it deservedly so. Sure. Others maybe not. Let's we'll start with the TMS services. Yeah. Um, ultimately, that is the operating system for for of course whether you're a broker or a carrier, even a, even a shipper. How do you think in terms of companies should address it if they if they bought a TMS? What should they be doing with that particular product in terms of fixing it? And where did you find issues in these implementations?
1: Yeah. So a lot of the issues come into the nuance of the day to day. Like they find a TMS that checks the boxes. Hey, we move truckload, reefer, LTL. We bought a TMS that does all of those. Well, as we all know, there's a huge difference between how one company moves truckload freight versus another business. And so, um, honestly, the, the, the biggest gap area on the TMS front is just the workflow from start to finish and the number of clicks that it actually takes to do the work, um, and so, you know what that what that ultimately entails is 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 doing kind of a process mapping exercise where we work with the the business to understand what the what their desired workflow is, and then it's and then from there it's actually pretty simple configuring the product to match that workflow. It's actually it's not overly complicated. It's just a very important step that gets overlooked. So,
0: so Pete. Th- how often companies that buy TMS services are actually pleased with the TMS? I mean, one of the sort of things I've always thought is almost everybody who's bought a TMS after a year complains about the TMS. It's almost like HR software has negative totally. scores. I would imagine that for a lot of TMSs, it's the same. Is is that an exception or is it their general rule? I
1: think that I was. I mean, as some of y'all may have seen me, I, I mean, I made a face when I saw a year because I've. I mean, I've. We've had clients that basically start complaining as soon as the contract is signed, unfortunately. And uh, that does seem to be thematic across the industry. Um, you know, the, the other gap, I mean, I talked about the implementation, but change management, like adoption of the platform, is another big issue. Where companies underinvest in training their employees on how to use the software Um and then what ends up happening is employees come up with all these workarounds that are maybe faster than using the system, or they're exporting data to Excel, running a bunch of analysis in Excel, and then going back to the system as opposed to actually using the system for the way that it's intended.
0: Do you think management believes, hey, I'll buy this TMS, and it will solve all these problems, and then they don't actually make the investment in the training? And- Absolutely. And that goes back to all the
1: hype around technology 2021, where... I mean, there were a lot of technology vendors that were saying, hey, buy our system and we will solve all of your problems. Um, And the reality is that that's just not what it actually looks like in the day to day. And in my experience, management loses sight of the fact that someone's actually staring at the screen for, you know, six to 12 hours a day. Um, And they're doing every possible activity of the day using this, this system. And th- that's why when we come in and do these projects, like we might talk to the executives 10% of the time, all the time is spent with the people on the floor that are actually using the system. And that, that's what I think is missed a lot in the software purchasing and implementation process.
0: So Pete, let's give them a grade. My kids are in high school. Grades are important. Eight and a F. How did the, in terms of the TMSs, in terms of how they responded to customers, what, what grade would you give the TMS companies? As a as a broad a general, as a yeah. category, yeah. are they an F? Are they a D? Oh man! Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: Craig, Craig wanted to get me. Craig wanted to pin me into a question up here. So I would say, I think, I think as a whole, it's probably a C, maybe a C minus with with some that are with some that are Bs and some that are Ds.
0: So it's passing. Yeah, I mean, we it's, it's
1: but it's 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 barely passing. I mean, I. I, I don't know. Uh, my accounting professor in college reminded me that you only have to hit, you only have to get a seventy percent or better to pass the CPA exam.
0: My my son uh, struggled in one of the classes and he got that C C minus. Sure. Like that's all math. You're get. It's, it's counting. It's still the degree. Yeah. Well, let's move on uh, from TMSs. We've talked sure. a little bit about that. the other height or one of the other hype technologies of visibility. Sure. Um, you know, particularly on the brokerage side as well as on the shipper side. Well, let's talk a little bit about. What do, what have you seen in terms of visibility systems? Uh, how would you how do you think that those have gone? Yeah, what I think is so interesting about the visibility
1: providers is that um, you know some of them built the APIs first, and then others built the UIs first. But ultimately, all of them ended up with there's a UI version and there's an API version. And what I'd say is that. The, the unfortunate reality is it's very hard to sell pure APIs. So a lot of the companies just built dashboards and, and user interfaces because they needed something to be able to demo and sell the product. Um, unfortunately, that led to lazy implementations where companies didn't, buyers of the visibility product didn't have to actually integrate the, the visibility data into their core operating system, their TMS. Um, they actually just they end up just using the dashboards
0: and they do kind of a half assed implementation as a result of it. So, has the issue been uh, talking to shippers and logistics providers? Where is the bigger sort of gap there? Is it the logistics providers that have sort of just used the visibility dashboards? Are you seeing it also on the shipper side as well?
1: Yeah, uh, I've we're seeing it on both. You know, visibility is all about providing data, but, but the, I think that people don't do a great job of asking a question of once we have this data, what are we going to do with it? How are we going to use it to improve our operations? And so um, I, you're, you're seeing some of the visibility providers are starting to move into like insights as a service where it's actually helping people operationalize the data. But I think that that's been one of the themes that we've seen is that shippers shippers, and logistics companies and carriers are coming to us saying, hey, we're paying all this money for this visibility information and we're not doing anything with it, so help us figure out what do we use it for. So another
0: category. So it's it's great rate the visibility companies A through F. What what kind of grade would you give the visibility technology vendors in the space? I would give I would actually give the
1: visibility providers closer to a I'd give them a B, and here's why. There are so visibility didn't exist as a category five five years ago, right? The, the difference is that a lot of the visibility providers were throwing money at implementation to make sure that there was successful adoption as they were venture backed and they just they wanted the recurring revenue whereas the TMSs the, there there are a lot of legacy TMSs that actually were they they would they would nickel and dime their customers on um on on the implementation software contracts software okay. contracts maintenance contracts support contracts so on and so forth and so I think I think visibility providers maybe over time that score actually might go down but because so many of them were were newer venture back startups that were so invested in getting and driving adoption of the product that they were willing they were willing to spend more money and time ensuring successful adoption
0: okay so let's move on to another category yeah and it's sort of a hybrid between a TMS a visibility a workflow provider but these sort of integrated middleware platforms that are sure. tried to sort of work inside the framework of a TMS but actually build a lot of software on top of the TMS. Yeah, how would you rate them? What are you? What have you seen in terms of successful implementation or unsuccessful implementation?
1: Yeah, I mean it's, you know, it, it's interesting. If 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 the product is a middleware, ultimately the job is to ensure that data is flowing. Um, and so I think I think what I've what we've seen is that um, and and admittedly this this is something that we have a product for called Socket that's that's an integration service. So we use we use our socket platform to enable integrations as opposed to just giving someone access to the platform and then leaving it up to them. So I think it's I think it's a little apples to oranges comparison because um, because there there are other providers that are basically providing managed integrations as a managed service as opposed to that's that's tech enabled through a platform as opposed to an integration platform like a MuleSoft that's up to you to implement and manage and maintain now. The latter is better for a more robust IT organization where there's a team that can manage it. But if you're just looking for an easy button for integrations, you don't need the platform. You just want the integration to
0: be done and data to be flowing. So you think for, for spending the money on integration and uh, training is probably better spent than on a middleware platform? I think so. Yeah. How would you? So what kind of grade would you give these middleware operators?
1: I would put that. I mean, I'd I'd put that in the B category, in the B, B plus category as well, specifically because uh, I think a lot of the middleware businesses are more comfortable charging implementation fees or it's built into the pricing model already. And so they're like, it's a little bit easier to measure the success of it. Is data flowing? Yes or no. And are you and are you maintaining the integration?
0: All right, another category that's gotten... Hot yeah. ...is the digital matching... Yeah. ...category. Waiting the for this one. brokerage, the tech-enabled brokerage, whatever, whatever you call it. It's called matching generally. Yeah. Digital freight matching, I think, is the hot. Yeah, DFM. DFM. It's cooler if you use the abbreviation. <laughs> so, let's talk about that. Um, a lot of brokers have rolled out DFM, or at least some of them are pure-play DFM. What do you see on the ground from the DFM perspective? Yeah, D- DFM's
1: interesting. Um uh, I think that there are kind of two components to DFM. There's the actual carrier CRM that you're using to manage and operationalize the data. And then there's the actual matching algorithm and technology that's what's saying, hey, this capacity provider with this available capacity is a good fit for this shipment. And I think you have to think about those as two separate categories. And we see the that that there are some providers that are, that are more just... Um, see more on the carrier CRM side. There are others that are more just on the DFM side. And then there are some that, that, that fit in the middle. And how would you grade them? Um, I, I, these guys, I think that these guys get a pretty good grade. I'd give them like an a minus a minus. You're you're hot on DFM. I don't know that I'm hot on it, but I, but I think that they are go in my experience, I'm seeing them go into challenging situations with disparate data organize the data and then serve it up in an operational manner that solves the problem. And that's ultimately what I think that these scores need to be based on is like how, how effective is this product at solving the problem that they're trying to? And in my experience, uh, you know, the, the DFM vendors are the DFM software providers are doing a, a pretty good job with that.
0: All right, last category. Great job. Another hot category. Yeah. The payment. Payment, yeah, payment workflow companies. So some of them are, are bank providers. Some of them are freight bill and audit. Others provide the rails. Some of them are factoring companies. What have you seen in terms of the whole payment ecosystem and the brokerage space?
1: Um, yeah, I mean to your point, it's been evolving. It's been evolving quickly, and and I think it's interesting that you talked about how some of them are factoring versus some of them are pure play payment providers. You know, y- y'all may have heard that if. If you're not paying for the product, you are the product, right? That's kind of this. That's the social media model. Hey, it's free to use Instagram and Facebook. That just means that they're mining your data and selling it. Like I, I think on the payment side, um, it it gets complicated because there are because there are factoring companies that really don't like. They're just doing it because they want they want to make margin on. They want fact- to charge. The- yeah, they want to charge transaction fees as opposed to building really great product, but. You know, at the same time, you can't, you can't blame someone if they can build a better operational product, um, and just roll it into the part of the factoring fees. Like that's actually a really significant, that could be a significant competitive advantage. How how would you rate those guys? Um,
0: man. It's like F to A. Yeah. Like, like the the whole spectrum. Honestly, there are some. Is it the most disparate in terms of, of high quality versus low quality?
1: Uh, I think so. Yeah. I think that it's the biggest, the biggest bell curve. And it's because it's because the incentives vary so much from one to the next. There are some that are focused on the SaaS revenue. There are others that are focused on factoring or financing charges. Um, and uh, I, I think that 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 leads to huge gaps. And I mean, we, we've seen companies that end up getting kind of trapped by into a payments pro, into a uh, payments platform because they've got a factoring contract and they're not, they're not able to pay off the debt to, to
0: move over the platform. The guys that are factoring, that are doing financing are the ones that are, you're giving F's to, is that fair? Uh, I would not say that across the board, not even some
1: of them, but some of them are. And then there are others that are, there are others that are in the A's. Uh, I think that there are some factoring companies that are in the A's that are doing a really good job and that are actually focused on and, and enabling brokers where they you know, there's some entrepreneur in them that just wants to see other people succeed. I, I think that those exist too.
0: Pete, I, we ran out of time. It's, yeah. It's blinking out. We've had so referral, unfortunately man. it's a great conversation. Uh, how can folks reach out to you and, and get connected?
1: Yeah. So, um, metaphor.net, uh, my is on there and then you can find me on LinkedIn too. Peter Rentschler. Appreciate it. Thanks, yeah. Pete. Thanks.